0: It's Tuesday, September twenty fifth. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Helen Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser from Motley Fool Pro and Options, Jeff Fisher, and from Million Dollar Portfolio, Ron Gross. G- gentlemen, happy worldwide invest better. How day. You doing, Chris? exciting day. day, huh? Quite a day. Yeah. Uh, if uh, for those who are listening on the podcast. Check out investbetterday.com. We've been doing programming all day, uh, a lot of great content to check out. Uh, Today, guys, we're going to talk electric cars, business services, and snack foods. But we're going to start with Caterpillar. Shares of Dow Component Caterpillar down more than 2% today after the company cut its earnings targets for 2015 2015. 2015. They're looking far <laughs> out over. is Rip Van Winkle time. Exactly. What do you think um, of this, though?
1: You know, I don't think it should be a surprise. The mining sector has has kind of been down in, in the dumps. Uh, coal and iron ore prices have fallen really sharply. Uh, Caterpillar has to deal with this little eight billion dollar acquisition they did in 2011 of Busiris, a very large um, mining equipment company. Um, so they have that. That is really taking it on the chin now, since the mining sector is down. China biggest wild card there is, what's going to happen with their inter- infrastructure development um, that will really uh, tell the tale of the tape for Caterpillar down the road. Um, Caterpillar remains one of the finest companies, but you, as you, you say, it is a bellwether, um, and the global economy's weak, Chris.
0: Jason what do you think this is uh, an area that I know you watch closely as well It is weak and you know it's right in line with what uh, Joy Global reported uh,
2: maybe a few weeks ago when they came out with their quarter uh, quarterly earnings uh, they noted uh, the contraction in Europe and China decelerating as well uh, you keep an eye on these companies and they have what's called a book to bill uh, ratio which Basically helps sort of measure the demand for the services that they're providing. So with a book to bill uh, still pretty consistently under one, we can see demand's relatively weak, uh, which fits right in line with weak commodities demand. And uh, so we're going to see them, I think, rationing back on capital expenditures here. We're seeing the miners rationing back as well. And it's probably going to be uh, a little while before we see any any kind of any kind of you know switch back the other direction. But you also have to kind of keep an eye on that because when that switchback goes, it's going to be a little bit too late. These stocks will take off.
1: That That is true, but it, this is not the only indication, obviously, we have of the global economy. So many bellwethers have really sung kind of the same song, whether it's FedEx or some of the railroads. Um, we're hearing, you know... What, what we don't, should all expect, you know, growth is rather anemic, unemployment high, uh, China um, trying to manage somewhat of a soft landing, still growing nicely, but, you know, we'll see what happens there.
0: You know, Jeff, a lot of times we focus on the business. We don't really focus on macroeconomic issues when when it comes to investing. And yet, Caterpillar seems like one of those companies that the macroeconomic <laughs> uh, factors are are much more significant. Uh, is that is that something that, as an investor, you really have to pay more attention to these type of factors when you're looking at a company like That's Caterpillar? That's certainly a fair assumption to make, Chris. Caterpillar,
3: Alcoa, GE, even, all great bellwethers for the for the global economy overall. I may differ with the view here a little bit, which is to say things don't look that bleak on their guidance. They're, they're guiding for $12 to $18 per share, Caterpillar is, in 2015, and at the bottom of that estimate, that's about twenty percent growth from results right now. So that's not bad over two to three years. And they have such a long lead time on orders. Of course, you don't go and order a, an earth mover two weeks before you need it. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> a few years before you need it. So they they have a pretty good pretty good insight into what's coming down the pike in a, in a few years. Now I agree with all the concerns here. Commodity prices that could cause some orders to be canceled. China, if that slows down too much. But overall, it isn't terrible and sales at cat right now are up some 30 percent since 2008 when commodities peaked so they're doing they're they're growing nicely even now Ron,
1: yeah and it's interesting from a stock perspective um these companies, these big industrial-type companies, they're not priced the same way like a high-growth technology company may, might be priced. So even news like this doesn't necessarily crush a stock where you can get like a 30% sell-off in a day like we've seen so many times this year. Um, these things trade you know, 10 times earnings, 11 times earnings, Joy even less than that, I yep. think. Um, so you know, they're not priced for, for any huge kind of uh, growth.
0: Well, let's close out on the stock. Over the last five years, Caterpillar shares have beaten the S&P 500. What do you think over the next 5 years? Is that likely to repeat?
3: I think there's a good chance of it because their their earnings guidance is $12 to $18 per share in 2015. That's a wide range. 12 looks like it should be pretty easy to hit because they're around 10 right now. So there's some upside. To, to what they could produce. Yeah, I,
2: I think there's definitely upside in both uh, you know Caterpillar and Joy Global. The reason why these stocks aren't getting obliterated on news like this is because it's not new news. I mean, these stocks are relatively cheap, and if you look at them on a forward earnings basis, they're very cheap. So they're certainly worth a nibble, at least today, on the hopes of uh, any kind of recovery in the 2014-15 range.
0: Ron?
1: At a 10 PE, I'd bet on Caterpillar with the caveat that China is the wild card.
0: Shares of Tesla Motors down more than 8% today after the company cut its sales forecast for the year. And, Jason, just to put some numbers around that, the full-year revenue guidance was $560 million to $600 million. That has now dropped to $400 million to $440 million. That's a pretty significant dip for the electric automaker.
2: Yeah, and if I saw something quarterly, at least it was whacked at about half or something. But, uh, it, you know, it's
0: not terribly
2: surprising. I mean, electric cars in general are still very... Uh, very new. I mean, it's the nascent stage of, of of electronic cars. I mean, I know that we're seeing a lot of different uh, types of vehicles out there, in regard to natural gas vehicles or hybrid vehicles. Electric is still so new and still so unknown that a company like Tesla, particularly Tesla, which is so focused on really perfection, and we know that you know founder and CEO uh, Elon Musk is, he's not going to be putting any any real low quality vehicle out on the road like that. It's just, it's really tough to get that kind of a vehicle out there adopted by the masses, especially at those price points, because why they. While they say the vehicle you know can sell for around forty five, forty six, forty seven thousand dollars, that's the very base model with a really a relatively limited battery pack range. So if you get something with a, a you know a better range, a more top of the line vehicle, you're looking at something closer to hundred thousand dollars, which is it's way outside of most consumers' reach. Now I will say that you know there are other vehicles out there, there are other companies out there pursuing uh, the the electronic vehicle market, but but still again, you have to convince the consumer that it's going to be something that'll work and that they can have for a longer period of time, and we just haven't hit that point yet.
0: Well, to that point, Ron, uh, Toyota is no longer one of those companies, because <laughs> just yesterday, <laughs> right. Toyota came out and basically scrapped its plans to mass market a new all-electric mini car. Right. what that, is that, what does that tell you about the future of just this industry in general it,
1: it's a tough business and it's an early business i mean this is an evolving um industry that's going to take years to play out and what worries me about tesla it's good good for them that some competition is going away but uh i wonder whether their capital structure has the wherewithal to last this game out They're already postponing some debt payments to the U.S. government. Uh, They announced that they have to go back to the equity markets to raise $150 million. um, And that's part of the reason I think you're saying the stocks sell off. Um, So they need to kind of get their capital ducks in a row there uh, to to last this, this evolving industry out.
2: I mean, there are other vehicles out there too. I mentioned some of those companies. We know Ford is working with a Focus electric, but there's also a little-known company out there, Koda, that's working on an electric vehicle. That's that's more, you know, it's geared towards that lower price point, uh, so that it's a little bit more affordable. It's a car I saw at the auto show in in Detroit in January. It it doesn't get any real press. I don't think very many people know about it. Uh, So I think overcoming just that perception. To begin with is going to be the most difficult part. But I think that, really, for the foreseeable future, as we've been saying, number one, it's going to be a combination of technologies. But really, I think the safest bet, you know, going forward for the next 10 years is going to be just that hybrid technology. And that's where Toyota really stands out. Ford, to a degree, even with the fusion vehicle today, stands out as well.
3: Uh, Jeff? And I think Tesla is doing the right thing. This is partly a supply issue. They don't have enough supply on some parts. And it's a quality issue. Report is, Elon Musk, the CEO, is driving each car off the production line to make sure it's up to snuff.
1: How does that scale?
2: Uh,
3: exactly. Well,
2: they, <laughs> I can drive one today. They
3: they plan to make 5,000 cars this year. That's their goal still. For, for reference, Ferrari made 7,000 cars last year, and Lamborghini only made 1,700. How
1: many of each of those do you own?
3: Uh, zero. Yeah. <laughs> I have a picture of one somewhere. <laughs> but the point being, I think... Uh, Musk just wants to get this right from the start. Uh, Fisker, a competitor that makes an electric car, rolled out their models, and they got panned by the press. And that is the death knell for your for your brand new car. So he knows the reviews have to be strong. So they'd rather put out fewer cars
0: and make sure they're excellent and then ramp up when they're able to. But when I hear things like the CEO wants to personally t- drive each one <laughs> off the lot, it makes me think that... They have got production problems far beyond anything I would have previously imagined. Like, at some point, does it make sense for Tesla to bring in a partner to just handle? more of the manufacturing to speed up this process just a little bit and they're essentially licensing their you know their technology
3: it, it could but they've said they've long said they want to remain independent they've actually partnered with toyota and i don't know the status of that partnership now all of a sudden and mercedes to make powertrains for these other automo- automobile makers I don't. I think they want to remain their maintain their independence, though.
2: Yeah, I think Jeff Keaton, an important part of Tesla there that most people might not really focus on, is that they also beyond just the cars that they make. They focus on that powertrain technology. They work with Daimler, which is responsible for Mercedes-Benz, uh, Toyota, which you mentioned. They are in an agreement there to roll out uh, powertrain components for the Rav four vehicles. So it's not just the Tesla vehicle that they roll out. And truthfully, I think it may it may be there may be too many headwinds for a tesla vehicle to be a widely adopted vehicle but the technology actually could really go a long way and if they can continue to to latch on to these relationships with other uh car de- uh car makers that have the scale to produce uh for, for you know widespread adoption I think they they stand a little bit of a better chance
1: Musk owns about 25% of the shares so I say we let him go 1 in 4 we let him drive 1 in 4.
3: In. <laughs> well he just said he's buying more shares today. Uh,
0: uh Jason even if this is not a widely adopted vehicle and it's it's hard for me to imagine that it would be anytime soon certainly Can Tesla, the stock, still be a worthwhile investment?
2: Well, if Elon Musk is buying shares today, no offense to him, I'm not. Um, It's just a little bit too spicy a meatball for me. I just don't really see how they can overcome these headwinds. I see this company taking on a lot more debt. I see a strapped consumer for a long time to come, and I see a relatively narrow-minded consumer that is going to be not exactly ready to latch onto electronic vehicles anytime soon. So I'm, I'm, I'm not jumping in.
0: Paychecks first quarter profit increased 3%. Uh, Jeff, I am guessing that Wall Street was looking for more from the payroll and benefits service provider because shares down almost 3% this morning. What, what is going on here? It's been a long, slow slog for Paychex since 2008. What's
3: happening is they mainly cater to small businesses, and small businesses are not hiring in great numbers. So if payroll numbers are not growing, Paychex isn't growing. On top of that, they have interest rates uh, are very low, and Paychex makes money on the float. Before it pays you, it keeps your money for a week or two and earns interest on it. But right now, it's earning next to nothing. You make it sound so bad. Which,
1: which, which actually, <laughs> from a contrarian perspective, could actually be the perfect time t- to get in because interest rates are not going lower theoretically. <laughs> um, They're not
0: going uh, up. You, you so, give Ben Bernanke a chance. He'll find a way.
1: <laughs> so it, it could be a good time to buy in on the cheap. The, the float sometimes I think is, is overblown a little bit. That's certainly not where they make all of their money, but it is a nice little kicker. And if you know you buy
0: now and hold for the future, it could be interesting.
3: Go ahead. Yeah, we just need to see small business hiring. As, as that's what's going to really drive the business. I was
0: just going to say, is part of the thesis for investing in a company like Paycheck – uh, is is it basically saying, I'm betting on an improving economy? Not just an improving economy, but an improving small business economy. That's
3: the largest part of it. You're betting on an improving small business economy, but you're also betting on management, who has had execution problems the last few years and are still ironing those out.
0: Do you think there needs to be a turnover?
3: I don't think so. There, there has been plenty of turnover.
0: And finally, research firm YouGov Brand Index has released the results... Of the best perceived snack brands, this is the salty snack category. Uh, And again, we're just talking about the brands here. Here's the top five in reverse uh, reverse order. Number five, Orville Redenbacher. Number four, Fritos. Number three Doritos, number two Lay's, and number one—and I was stunned by this, Ron. <laughs> yeah. Ritz crackers—the really—that's the, num- really? the, no, that's the number one brand. Out.
1: Salty mixodium is clearly the number one <laughs> <laughs> brand out there. But yeah, I don't Ritz. I mean, nice with a piece of cheese. I'm not going to say no, but
0: certainly not number one. But uh, I mean, you saw the list, Jason. Did this? Uh, what leaped out of here? Other than the fact that, by the way, Pepsi owns three of these companies.
2: Yeah. What leaps so out I'd... at me is that I mean, my kids will turn those Ritz crackers down. My dogs will turn those Ritz crackers down. I'm not. Not gonna eat those Ritz crackers. I mean, those things were like forty years ago. I don't get it. That's that. I'm as a chip aficionado, I'm offended.
3: Maybe really? it's a generational thing. Baby boomers still
2: love the Ritz. Putting on I the Ritz. I think someone has an agenda with that. No them. cheese it is, <laughs> See,
3: and that's right. See, I, I'm it's in a, not
2: even goldfish. A wonderful spot in my household, and that my wife doesn't like cheeses, so I do. So whenever I buy
1: the box of cheeses,
0: it's all I yours. Get all. Oh, that's smooth. Yeah. boy, you're a smooth. <laughs> and I like that's
1: one interesting right. household you've got you know, there. I we I can tell you some stories.
2: Uh, <laughs>
0: what uh, what what do you think in terms of snack foods here? Let's let's apply sort of your investment analysis rigor in terms of valuation, because we talk about valuation all the time. What's what's a snack food that you think is overvalued, and what's one that's (laughs) undervalued? And and I'll just say, I'm with Jason, the fact that Cheez-Its don't appear anywhere on this list, that's one undervalued snack, as far as I'm concerned. What do you think, Ron? Follow me here, because this is important. Okay. Not just Bugles. Bugles?
1: Sure, Mm -hmm. Bugles, yep. Caramel-flavored Bugles. Oh, Mm. really? Fantastic. Caramel-flavored Bugles? Bugles? If you don't like them, I'll pay for them. So
2: I guess see, maybe that tastes a little bit like caramel <laughs> corn or like, you know, the kettle corn.
1: Is. Uh, mm-hmm. Overvalued is clearly anything with the sour cream and onion flavor. That is mm. nasty. That is,
0: that is pretty overrated, yeah, i got to yeah. say. I'm surprised yeah. that they continue to just roll those chips out. Jason, what about you?
2: Well, most certainly overvalued is Ritz. I mean, that's just <laughs> no question there. I think undervalued, I was surprised not to see combos on that list. Combos aren't bad. Do you have a particular
0: mm. f- flavor you're shooting for? I think I go with
2: the uh, yeah. I mean, I, let me. It's only pizza,
0: pizza combos. The other ones are they're not already... making caramel combos, are they? No. Not yet. All right, Jeff. Oh, man, you okay. strike me as an incredibly healthy guy. And and just to paint the picture further, you sit right across from Brian Hinman, who, for anyone watching Invest <laughs> Better Day, uh, worldwide Invest Better Day earlier today, was rocking an amazing sweater vest. <laughs> and by amazing, can you
1: rock in a sweater vest? By He's...
0: amazing, B- Brian can. <laughs> By amazing, I don't actually mean amazing. Um, but Brian is just one of these incredibly healthy people. He's always munching on kale. Three or four or times cake. a day,
3: he walks by with mm-hmm. a big plate of vegetables. Vegetables, yeah. that
0: kind of thing. So I understand there's a little bit of peer pressure for you when it comes to avoiding snacks like these, but do you have certainly
3: one? Certainly. Uh, undervalued It's pretzels. I'm surprised they're not on the mm. list. They are actually fairly healthy and, and tasty, whether they're the pretzel sticks or the
2: Pretzel eight shape, whatever big shape. Old it is. sourdough pretzels. Yeah, those That's, are not bad. Those are good.
3: Just yeah. don't choke on them. Overvalued. <laughs> cool yeah, health, Ranch. Your
2: health
1: tip from Jeff for the day.
3: Take that one to the bank. Cool Ranch Doritos are, I think, overvalued. Oh. Mm-hmm. And it tastes like
0: chemicals. Yeah, yeah Cool Ranch Doritos were good for about a minute and a half. And then, <laughs> and then what do you got? In... What's your favorite? Uh, again, I'm going with the Cheez-Its for, uh, for undervalued, and Goldfish, too. The fact that Goldfish are nowhere on this list. They're a winner, I'm, yeah. I'm a little surprised yeah. by that. But, yeah, they're not, not to pick on the good people at Kraft Foods, who own Ritz Crackers, <laughs> but... But I'm just... I need just, to find out.
1: Milla wafers aren't bad.
0: Who is buying... That's like, that's like the cool that? Ritz
1: cracker. That's a, a, s, that's a separate
3: buyer. category. That's, that's not a, salty that snack. Can yeah. we get some Ritz cracker recipes?
0: Right, maybe from right when we're done taping this kind of podcast, uh, we'll get you that. All right, Jeff Fisher. Jason Moser, Ron Gross. Guys, thanks for being here. Thanks, thanks. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So no buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time.